0: Now, I feel like it's pretty safe to say that everyone here has at one point seen a trailer for a movie or a show or something like that. And the purpose of a trailer is to show tidbits of the movie that showcase some of the cool scenes, a little bit of exposition to let you know what the basic plot is and to sprinkle in some mystery to make you curious about what the outcome is. it's used to get you invested into the story, to want to go see what happens, to know what happens to the characters, to wonder what the plot twist is, to solve the mystery, whatever it is. And in our verse today, I, I saw the opportunity to show of God showing something similar basically a trailer of his greatness and his great purpose for us now if you will flip to first john or john chapter 1 verses 43 through 51 the following day jesus wanted to go to galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of, At- Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, and Philip said to him come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus responded and said to him, Before Philip called you, you were under a fig tree, and I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, and you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I say to you, I saw you under a fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, if you have a Bible where they like to title the little groups of verses, the title of this section is called Philip and Nathaniel. Some irony in that because in the first two verses Jesus is already taking care of Philip, and the rest of it's mostly about Nathaniel. But don't feel too sorry about him because he gets to shine later with an Ethiopian. But Nathaniel's first response to hearing about Jesus isn't very positive. I don't know who or what wronged him or offended him from Nazareth, but he does not have a very high opinion of that place. But Philip persists and just says, come and see for yourself. Let, just come and you decide. Now when they get there, the first thing Jesus does is call out Nathaniel. He says something positive about him to directly counter the negative comment Nathaniel made about him before he even went over to see Jesus. And obviously this confuses Nathaniel, and he inquires about how Jesus knows him. And in my mind, I can see Jesus just having, starting to have a little fun with this as he tells Nathaniel that he saw him under a fig tree. And at this point, for some reason, Nathaniel just pulls a 180, and instead of just being disrespectful to some random guy from Nazareth, he starts proclaiming him as the king of Israel. I can just picture Philip going to his buddy afterwards and being like, haha, told you so. But in Jesus' response, it's, it's interesting because it, he says, because I say this to you, you believe. It's, it's like he's saying, is that all it took? He was kind of surprised. He was like, I was kind of expecting it to be a little harder. But he came and saw for himself. And it was just a little tidbit. He just used a little bit of his power and said, hey, you were under a fig tree. That's all it took for Nathaniel. And then he goes and says, and, I'll, and I tell you, there will be greater things to see. There are greater things to follow, to come after. And he lists some really grand sounding things and whatnot. but really, it's a trailer. It's, it's a sneak peek to the greater things he is destined to do, for the greater thing that God had planned for him to do. Now first off, I would like to point out the obviousness of the point of evangelism right here. Because within the first chapter of John, we have four excellent points of evangelism with Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel. Now, these are just common ways that we as believers now will go out and introduce people to Jesus and to to start having that relationship into growing into that. And it was the preaching of the word, by Jesus at the time, that reached Andrew. And then Andrew, a concerned witness, and a family member, who went over and talked to Peter. Now, then there was the pointed encounter with the Savior, when Jesus came over and talked to Philip directly. Now this one's a little bit less common, because you kind of visualize like a, a more spectacular event that takes place or like a point encounter where you just feel led to go talk to some random person at the grocery store and you say, God blesses you and he hopes you have a great day. And then they're like, oh I really needed that. And then you just made their day and you're happy and content with that. And that planted a seed that later they grow to learn about and know more and become in a more in-depth relationship with Jesus. And the fourth one would be the witness of a friend, which was to Nathaniel. To just go and see what the fuss was about. That's a pretty common one, I feel like. It's what, personally, is what got me into it. It was just, hey, come and check out the church. The funny story, but, and a lot of you have heard it already, but, when I, the first thing that got me to come to this church was an invitation to come to a, just to check out a Christmas service. And the funny thing about it was, if you were a kid, you could come in your pajamas. So me and my sister showed up in our onesies, and we sat through a service which completely went over our heads, but that was the, that's what God do at the church. And the mother enjoyed it, so we kept going, and then, here I am, in front of all of you, so But there's something just really reassuring about thinking that, yeah, about the fact that the tactics that we use to bring others to Jesus to help introduce him to others is the same one he used to bring others to himself. He went out and did those things to get people to believe in him, to follow him as he went on his journey for three years, and it's the same stuff we do to introduce people. But Even with that, there is a a heavy responsibility in how we conduct ourselves. We can tell people to just come and see, like Philip. But if they come, they can't see Jesus. He's not here. He's in us. That's where he sees us. That's where they see Jesus, in our example. They see it in how we live our lives, how we treat other people how we move throughout our day. Our walk is the way people meet Jesus. And how are they able to see... <laughs> Sorry, that was a little funny. How are they able to see... Yeah, And that's how they're supposed to see... Him, how they're supposed to see Jesus as Nathanael did. And sometimes it's as easy as saying just to come and see, to visit, to feel it out. But our actions mustn't be aimless and without purpose. How do you think it will look to others if we're trying to introduce Jesus to them and we're not acting the way we should? We're not acting very Jesus-like. If we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then why would we act wor- or worthless and then tell other people, other people that Jesus makes you worth. He gives you worth. He makes it so you can be saved. If we don't put the effort and time into these people, then how are they under- to understand the passion and the love Jesus has for them? That's sending mixed messages and... I'll tell you, that just gets exponentially confusing the longer it goes on. Sharing the greatness of Jesus, it isn't an easy bag. It isn't something you can just say the same thing over and over and over again and then throw out a couple verses out of context here and there and be like, that's good, I'm going to leave that there and go on to my next thing. That's not how it works. And you, and even with what you do, you can't expect it to work every time. Every person is unique and individualistic and they have their own needs and when we know them and we know how to use God through us it allows us to say the right thing here or do the right thing there that makes the most impact onto them so they get to see it more clearly and the seed is planted better. It requires a lot of effort, but the reward is great. It means they get to be saved. Now, sometimes the trailer that we were shown, it's like, you are destined for great things. You can go out and do this, or I will train you up and then you can go out and reach all these different people. And it sounds awesome, but sometimes the trailer we get is just something that looks dangerous, something that looks unnerving, a great trouble that we have just been handed and we have to figure out what to do with it. A great example of this would be Samuel that we read in the opening passage. At that point in time in Israel, prophets were scarce, and them going out in giving word to the people of Israel was even less so. So that meant that the hearts of Israel had hardened to the word of God. And on top of that, there's Samuel. And he grows up to become a prophet that has to deal with all of that. But you know what else? the The first prophecy he gets is about the downfall of the family of his mentor when that's the first thing you're given and then you have to go up to the person who raised you, and you're like, hey, thanks and all, but I got some bad news. That's not an easy thing to deal with. Having such a heavy thing just to carry, having to say that to someone you care so much for. Sometimes we think it'd just be easier to be like, Well, if I don't tell them and then it just happens, then they could be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that was going to happen. I'm sorry for your loss. But we didn't handle, he wouldn't have handled what he was given with care. He wouldn't have proven that he could do his work and his job as a prophet well either. And to add on to that, in the next chapter, the Ark of the Covenant gets stolen by the Philistines. So it's just lots of things stacking up to make a massive wall that he has to get over. But it wouldn't be a good movie. It wouldn't be an interesting story if there wasn't conflict. It wouldn't be a, a good adventure if there wasn't danger. It wouldn't be, there wouldn't be any of those needed qualities without the trouble, without the trials. Now, I would like to make it clear that I personally believe that everyone here can do great things and impact the world. Now, I don't mean that everyone here can get up and talk in front of large crowds like Billy Graham or go out into the far reaches of the world, into the hardest conditions and build schools and wells and churches for villages in Africa or India or places like that. Some of us can but that's not where we're all led to. And the greatness that we find is in fulfilling the plan God has for us. That might take us far away, It might take us down the street. There's so many places it might take us within our church, It might take us to another church, to other people, to a different job. There's lots of different variables in how it works. But whatever it is, we must live like he did, filled with righteousness and kindness, and not judging or holding anything against another. There's lots of things happening right now in the world. I won't get too in-depth in it, but... There's issues between races and there's issues between how people identify with their gender and whatnot. All of those things that cause divisions between people. And it wouldn't be very Christ-like of us to just ignore them or to hate them, dislike them, move past them without giving them a second thought because he was the one who hung out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and probably some of the same types of people. They just weren't specified. It was all the people that were deemed dirty, not worth it, not cool to be around, all those different things. But he loved them And invested his time to make sure that they were taken care of spiritually. So that they knew and could be saved when he finished his job. And we have so many people around us that we can, so many good people, that we can learn the wisdom and common sense that we need, that we can go forward and use it to help guide people to the Lord to show them what they need to see. The problems we face, whether they're a local or an international issue, we can help, even if it's just microscopically. It still makes a difference. We can still make a contribution, no matter how small, it is important. It also takes ingenuity on our part. You have to ask yourself, how am I following God's plan for me where I'm at? Sometimes that's a yes, and that's great. That makes it easier. Sometimes it's a, not quite. Sometimes it's like a, well, you do need to get off your phone or do whatever. Those three hours that you spend, that every day, that you could be doing something else, or being in your room, or whatever it is, you could do it and spend it doing something useful something to further God's will. And sometimes, it's just simply being diligent with taking care of yourself and your house, or taking care of your chores, if you will. Because those build up habits of good stewardship for yourself and allows you to see and help with other people. Sometimes, It's to take that extra three hours and just sit around and relax, because you're overworking yourself. And burnout, that can be even worse. You've been working so hard, and then you just stop. And everything you were carrying just drops. And it just makes a mess that takes weeks, months, sometimes even years to clean up, depending on how much you're trying to carry at that point in time. In a movie, if people were shown something in the trailer and instead of following the script that they were given to make the movie, they just went and did their own thing, it wouldn't really be a good movie, would it? Because you were like, oh, I'm excited for this action film. And then you watch it and it was like, I don't even know what that was. Or you go and you try and watch on a, a horror movie, and then it comes out being a comedy, and it's like, that wasn't what I signed up for. It's it's similar to how God feels when he lays out his plans for us, and then we're like, nah, I'm just going to go do my own thing. I just, I'm bored, so I'm just going to go over here and do this thing, rather than in my boredom, I could go and use my power to go do something else. That could be helpful. Where are you right now, whether it's at home or during your pastimes or at work, when you're doing those things, are you giving your exa- His example while you're doing those things? Are you living like him at work? Sometimes we go to we go to work, we do our job and we're great there and when we come back, we're tired. So we just let it all go. Sometimes we're great at home and then we go to work and we hang out with the guys or all the ladies and we just we talk about things and we gossip and we do whatever, and that's not very Christ like either. Or and with pastimes, you might be great at work, you might be great at home, but when you go to golf, completely different. Now, obviously those are select examples that just came to my mind, but you get the idea. Do we go out of our way to help people and do the difficult task that no one else wants to Not even us. Do we bring up in casual conversation a point about Jesus that we know will make an impact? Not some random, just like, oh, Jesus, or oh, I'm a Christian, but something that we know will impact them. Do we find something to do to further ourselves rather than this day in our rooms? Do we give room to those who are going around us and leave them opportunities to prove themselves so they can be and feel feel fulfilled and have have pride in how far they've come? To derive strength in that? Do we let them know that there is still a long way to go without making it sound like we don't think that, without sounding hypocritical? Do we show them that when the world tries to keep you down, you can keep getting higher, you can keep going further, you can keep trudging along, you can keep running the marathon? Do we show them Jesus? Each one of us has the ability to fulfill God's wondrous works, to show these people greatness, His greatness. To give them little snippets, little trailers, so they become interested and invested in the outcome. We have an incentive, a job to express and show God's grand show, this beautiful story of salvation that all true Christians know. We all have this potential for greatness, to be a force louder than words that can reach all people. And when the curtain calls, the applause will be heavenly. Thank you, that is all I have for today. Now we will be continuing with the celebration of Holy Communion.